You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Nico, you guys uh, came back from 25 down. I would ask you if you've been in that situation before, but I think you recently have against the Jazz. Yeah. Um, just what's the conversation like? You guys scored, I think, 28 points at halftime. Uh, just, you know, office wasn't going for you guys. What do you, what do you guys say to kind of get that going and, and, and put on the kind of win that you guys did in the end? No, we just have to work up. That's it. I mean, the way we play last game was great. We just had to get back to it. We didn't do it in the first half. It was one pass shot, one on one, nobody moved. And we're not a good team that way. Gotta be honest, we can't play like that. We, you can play like that when you have, we have Mook, Marcus can do it, Reggie a little bit, but we can't play like that because we have two guys who are capable of doing it, but they're not playing right now. So we have to play together as a team and move the ball. And the second half, we did it. Change everything. We took a different team, we played that way. So, and defense stayed the same. So defense saved us. First, defense stayed the same. We just start moving the ball and start making shots and have more fun and start running. We're doing a better job in transition in the last two games. Same thing we improved. Transition is a little bit better. And we keep fighting. And that's a huge win for us. That's a huge win. That's the sound of the horn. Welcome to an all-new commercial-free Clutch Clipcast. I'm your host, Chris Co-Wild, out of health and safety protocols and ready to podcast for you, Clipper Nation, and we are celebrating. That's right, we're celebrating because we have the longest active win streak in the Pacific Division. Yeah, baby. Oh, that's a division that has the top two teams in the league, right? Suns and Warriors, my bottom two least favorite toxic fan bases, along with the L word, who are one game under 500. Our Los Angeles Clippers on a two-game winning tear, best in the Pacific Division. They are playing 500 basketball. Right now it's 21-21. and We are in the back half of this 82-game marathon regular season. We have seen all sorts of different lineups, but last night was an epic comeback W, down 25 in the third quarter, so I've got an epic show for you. You're going to hear from Coach Ty Lue. You've already heard from Nicholas Batum. I got a, I've got a great Nicholas Batum story. I saw him off campus at the Farmer's Market on 3rd and Fairfax, and I talked him up with all his French buddies. I'm going to tell you that story. I got... The man of the hour, Reggie Jackson, who couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, was one for nine in three quarters of play, was getting down in the dumps, getting down on himself. But the fans, you Clipper Nation, brought him back into that game, and he hit some huge shots, and he single-handedly took over, and he posterized Joker, the MVP, put him on a poster, and went four for six in the fourth, finished with 13 points. So we got to talk about Amir Coffey. He's on the show. Amir Coffey's on the show with his four steals. At one point, he was going toe-to-toe and scoring with the MVP. 
I tweeted out on at LA Clipcast, who's going to score tonight? Which superstar is going to score more tonight? Joker or Coffee? Joker got more points, but I would argue that Coffee was more impactful. He's on the show. We got Reggie Jackson, Coach Ty Lu, Nicholas Batum, and a great interview with Clutch Points' Tomer Azarli, who wrote a great piece about Lou Williams. We beat Lou's hometown Atlanta Hawks two games ago. Last night, we beat Denver Nuggets. We only scored 26 freak, excuse me, 28 freaking points in the first half. In the third quarter, we scored 27 points, almost eclipsing, let's go clips, our first half points. And then in the fourth quarter, we just go on a tear and we smoke the Nuggets. One of the great all-time home come from behind W's. The guy sitting next to me was like, is that the biggest Clipper comeback in franchise history? And I said, no, no, my friend. We are the comeback kids. Something about this team, these clutch clips. These guys play great when it's a horse race in the final five minutes. We're one of the better clutch teams. And I know we're playing 500 ball. And until we're well over 500, I think every game is a must win. We need a cushion. We need to go on a tear like Memphis is doing. I understand they've got a video game character, Ja Morant, who's actually a human being, supposedly. And he is literally jumping out of the gym, blocking shots. He is a crazy person. But we got Reggie Jackson putting up video game-like moves when he posterizes Joker. Let's, let's, let's hear some guys talk about that great moment. We knew as a team, you just needed one shot to get going, just to get up, get the fire. And that's exactly what happened. No, he made one shot and then boom. He made a big three. Then after the timeout, I don't think there was the play, but he made a big dunk on Jokic. <laughs> hey, no, that was good. That was a big momentum to us. So, hey, we make some big plays. He get, I mean, I was kind of surprised that he gave me the ball at the end when I made the shot. But hey, I mean, he's doing great. He's been great. He stepped up for us. He, he took over. And makes a big plays. He was down minus. He was minus twenty-two. <laughs> but hey, he made the big play at the end, so that, that was a matter for us. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's who Reggie is. Going one for nine and coming back, going four for six and making some big shots and attacking the basket. You know, um, dunking. At the, you know, that big dunk kind of, you know, propelled us. You know, can't got us hyped up, got us juiced up, and um, like I said, he played well. You know the last six minutes of the game. So you're not going to play great offensively every night, and we understand that. But the effort and the competitiveness on the defensive end is what you got to have, you know, every single night. And for the most part this year, we've done that. That was Coach Ty Lue talking about Reggie Jackson, who just would not quit. I was at that game last night. I was sitting right, I don't know, 30 feet from the basket where Reggie Jackson posterized the MVP. And I always think Reggie Jackson looks like Batman with those goggles on. He kind of looks like Batman to me, especially when he's wearing all-black uniform. And to see the Batman destroy the Joker, you just love to see it, folks. I'm Batman. I mean, last postseason, it was Paul George as Superman and Reggie Jackson as Batman. We were just crushing the Utah Jazz, which kept coming up in the post-game press conference. I guess that was the last big comeback. But I also hearken back to last regular season when we were getting absolutely iced by a red-hot Atlanta Hawks, and then Ty Lue does this hockey switch, and we come back when we're down 20, 
and we win the game. And we were led by Terrence Mann and Amir Coffey and Nicholas Batum. And those are the guys that led us. I, I love this starting lineup that we've got right now. Look, we all want Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in the starting lineup. We get it. But I am loving the starting lineup of Reggie Jackson, Amir Coffey, Mook, rhymes with book, look at the shot he took, Mook Morris, okay? The great Christina Pink has done investigative journalism, sports journalism at its finest, and told us that it's not Mook, folks. It is Mook. I love the starting lineup of Mook, Coffey, Reggie, Batum, and Zoo. So happy to get Big Zoo back. He got outclassed by the Joker last night, but everybody else, including Serge Ibaka and especially Nicholas Batum, brought the heat against the MVP, the Joker. We held him to like seven first-half points. Our defense was phenomenal in the first half. It's just that our offense was abysmal. And then in the second half, we got it cooking. In the third quarter, we are all witnesses to the Bled Show. Eric Bledsoe, nine assists. When he has the ball, when he comes off the bench, he needs to be the point guard. And when Reggie and Bledsoe play together, Reggie kind of gives it up to Bled and lets Bled control the point. And it's a beautiful thing. Amir Coffey is a beautiful thing. He has been only a clipper. He has had two-way contracts bounced back and forth from the G League to the NBA. His big sister is an L.A. Spark. You love to see this basketball family dominating Los Angeles basketball. My man is a glue guy, is a utility guy. Amir Coffey. Brian Seaman calls him the Folger soldier, but he takes it to the Maxwell house, and he can throw down. He's got that beautiful three-point shot that's been falling for him. He is a nightmare on defense for the opposing team. Four steals for Amir Coffey last night. Folks, four steals for Amir Coffey. I love Terrence Mann. I cannot wait to get Luke Kennard back. Luke Kennard's back. Luke Kennard is back next week, okay? He is back next week. You heard it here first. And I believe that Hartenstein could be back as soon as next game. So we're getting Hart back. We're getting Luke back. Will we get Kawhi Leonard? and Paul George back this season. I think we get Paul George because he's third in the West in All-Star votes, and if he doesn't come back, guess what? He's not an All-Star, and the guy wants to be an All-Star. So he's resting, he's relaxing, he's r and ring right now. It's all you can do for that elbow strain thing, tear that he has. If he was a big league pitcher, which he's not, it would require surgery. But he's not a big league pitcher. He's an NBA basketball player, so what it does is requires four weeks of rest. We've probably got three weeks in the book. We're going to reevaluate him next week. We're going to know a lot more next week. And the Clippers are going to tell us nothing. They tell us nothing. They always tell us nothing. But I'll tell you something. Tomer Azarli from Clutch Points wrote this piece about Lou Williams. We crushed his Atlanta Hawks on a Sunday afternoon. And I apologize on last Clipcast. I didn't hem and haw and bitch and moan about our back-to-back day games, which you know I hate. But also Uncle Steve Ballmer hates them. So he went ahead and he bought the Great Western Forum and that loophole that that can be the only basketball stadium in Inglewood so he could build the Intuit Dome, and we will be into it. We are getting the hell out of the Crypto.com Omicron Arena, whatever the hell they call that hockey shitbox, the late great Staples Center, not so great. 
and we are getting our own arena, and it's not that far away, folks. There's only 40 games left, 25 on the road, asterisk, one at Staples or whatever you want to call it, at Lakers, 15 home games left. 15 home games left, and then two seasons left at the Hockey Shipbox, and then we are in the Dome. Say goodbye to fives and sevens. Say goodbye to -to back-to-back day games. We were lucky to get a back-to-back win. We've only gotten, I believe, two wins on nights two of a back-to-back, but we got a win on day two when we crushed the Atlanta Hawks and Tomara Zarley from Clutch Points was there talking to Lou Williams, and I got him on ClipCast. Let's hear Will, Lou Will, return. All right, I'm here with Tomara Azarli, who wrote a brilliant piece, which has got Clipper Nation chattering. So you talk to Lou Williams. Tell the listener about the piece that you wrote for Clutch Points. Um, no, I just I got Lou Williams um, for a few minutes. I was lucky to run into him in the hallways, and he was gracious enough to speak to me for a few minutes. Um, of course, he knows you. He was yeah, here for he remembers years. Me. He, yeah. he remembers me from, uh, what was that, I think three and a half years covering him here. That's uh, right. One in the pandemic, but uh, no, he, he was he was great. He uh, gave me a few minutes of his time. I just asked him about you know the trade, how everything's been, how life's been since he's been traded, and uh, since he's gone back home to Atlanta. Uh, he, I think he signed a, a deal there to, to play another year. And uh, no, I mean he, he seems like he's he seems like he's up until late. He seems like he was okay. I think there's a, there's a bit of a you know interesting thing going on in Atlanta right now. He, you know they benched him the last couple of games, and um, so I just offered him you know among other among the things we talked about was a potential return here. And um, he said he'd be open to it. He said he has great, great relationships with everyone uh, here in the organization. You saw them embracing each other at center court. Uh, Steve Ballmer, after the game, ran all the way across court to the Hawks bench to embrace him, and they spoke for a few seconds. So um, it seems like he's got great relationships here. Uh, but that was kind of the gist of uh, what we talked about, just the trade, life after that, um, you know, if you wish you would have stayed and coming back here. He tweeted out that uh, his love for Clipper Nation was, quote, forever. So do you see right. that as a potential that he could come back, maybe get bought out or traded or something? I mean, I, I don't think you can rule anything out uh, in today's NBA. Um, I think I, I don't know how much he has left. I think he has more in the tank than he's shown of late, but sure. I don't know how much it is that can actually help the Clippers. I think from a good karma and a sentimental standpoint, I think you would want to, to try and welcome back one of the three kind of guys who helped build the culture that eventually got Kawhi and PG here. Uh, and you know, and talking about Lou, Pat, and uh, Montrezl Harrell, yep. I think it'd be. I think you know, Lou wanted to finish his career here. He said it multiple times that he wanted to retire here, and um, he told me like he has, you know, he has a son here, uh, six. He lives in L.A. and he has his two daughters in Atlanta, and he said it has to be one of those two places, or at least within you know a reasonable distance from those two. So, um, I mean, L.A. would make sense, you know, from a from a organizational like relationship standpoint. I think it would make sense, but. I just don't know if he, there's a role for him on this team. I don't, I don't think there is. I really don't. Mm. Um, I think, you know, trading him last year, uh, the upside of that was offering, you know, Terrence Mann and Luke Kennard a bigger role um, off the bench. And eventually starting, we saw Terrence uh, play big in the playoffs last year. So I think it did open up some things for them. But I, I just, you know, if, if, Lou is, if Lou is willing to accept a potential bench role that might include no minutes or very, you know, scarce minutes, right. um, then maybe it would work. But other than that, I just... It has to be. It has to make sense for both ends, most both sides. And I don't know that it does at the moment. Maybe he wants to come back so bad that it does, but I, I just don't know at the moment. Here's what I love about you, Tomer, and I also like this about Farbod. Notice I said I love it about you. I like it about him. I've been uh, <laughs> on the Clippers media a long, long time, and when I first started, the majority of people covering the Clippers 
you could literally tell they did not like the Clippers. It wasn't like it was unbiased. It was like Dan Wykey at one point said, how do you like this team to me? And it was about the Lob City Clippers. But you and Farbaugh, just for example, and I think Justin Russo as well, you seem like you like this team, you like this organization, or certainly you lean positive as opposed well, to negative. Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I did grow up a Clippers fan. I will say that. Um, however, the, the last few years have made me, you know, it's, it's, it's less of a fan. You're just able to see things more objectively. Sure. Like you see a lot of the, you know, a lot of the holes and the mistakes that they make, but you also get to know these players over time and you get to know they're, you know, they're humans just like, just like everyone else. They're not kind of robots. So you can just go out there and be like, oh, you suck. Trade this guy. It's, it's, it's not that simple. <laughs> right, right, um, right. So I think, you know, covering the team has allowed me to, you know, one of the biggest things is like, like Austin Rivers was like, consider this very arrogant player before yes. I covered the team. And I was like, wow, this guy kind of a dick. And then I covered him and I got to talk to him multiple nice times. Guy. And I'm like, this guy, like, he's a great quote. Yes. He will never just leave you hanging. No. Uh, he's, 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 he's not arrogant. He's just confident to the point where he you need to be he's in the, the NBA. best player on the planet. But Whether he is or be, not, but he believes You need to be it. to be yeah, in the NBA, in my opinion. So in I anything, think you need confidence. Exactly. So I think it's just allowed me to see the game from a more objective eye and allowed me. Look, obviously, you still want this team to go far personally because I think it would allow me to advance my career, obviously. But I think it'd, it'd be cool to... Um, to just see guys evolve and you know win a championship and work hard and uh, being able to cover them as opposed to just being a fan previously, um, I, I think it's it's pretty fun. But again, it's just mostly about seeing the game objectively and being able to cover them when they're horrible, when right. they had their four or five game losing streak, or when they're winning their you know seven games in a row, whatever it is. So, last question before I let you go, it, like everybody's caught COVID by this point. Batum, Mook, <laughs> we found out it's pronounced Mook, uh, Luke, uh, Reggie. So that means they can't catch it again, right? Oh, I'm not an epidemiologist. I could not tell you the answer to that, <laughs> but unfortunately. Hypothetically, it seems like guys don't get it a month later. It so, seems like they don't, but Brad, Brad, I mean, Brad, I think Bradley Beal just caught it for a second time in like three weeks, four weeks. Ah, so. uh, crap. Because so I, I was saying maybe I it looks do like not we know. could get out of this health and safety protocol hell in the not-too-distant future. I mean... I truly have no idea. I don't want to speak on that because I truly have no clue. I mean, you would hope, you would hope yeah, you that would they've hope. avoided or they've gone through the worst and that it's all uphill from here, but truly just don't know. All right, thank you, Tomer. Great peace on Check Tomer Azarli out. Clutch points. We love you, you, bro. Thank, thank you. you. Appreciate it. What a difference this new generation of reporters is. I mean, literally, Broderick Turner from the L.A. Times was an aggressive L-word fan. Dan Wykey which back then he was with the OC Register, now he's with the LA Times. Like I said, during the Lob City years, literally walked up to me during the post game and goes, how do you like this team? <laughs> and then, <laughs> who else? What's his nuts? Nick Hamilton? Aggressive L-word homer. I mean, ugh. Don't you hate LA sports team homers who pass themselves off? as media when they're not Clippers, Homers, Clippers media. Oh, woohoo! I mean, come on. We're Clipper Nation. It's a celebration. What a great flipping W last night. Holy crap. That's my favorite home win of the year by far. What a what a comeback. And and I love the fact that people are hearkening back. Yes, it's the second time I've said Harkin on the show. Because I miss Harkenstein. They're hearkening back to the comeback in game six where we were down 20-something, and it was literally the greatest Clipper game of all time. And so that's how impressive last night's 
come from behind win was, was that literally everyone is saying, remember the greatest Clipper game of all time? Didn't that help? Let's hear from Tomer right now talking to Nico Batum about this. And then on the other side, ooh, you're going to get my Nico Batum story. What's French for story? We'll find out after Tomer and Nicolas Batum go toe-to-toe. How, how beneficial, I guess, was it having played those minutes in the playoffs and big moments before? Uh, how beneficial was that tonight? That's huge. No, that's huge. No, like, as you say, we have been in the same situation against the Jazz. And that was pretty much the same type of game in the second half. You know, defense. And then we, keep, we start running. And we were sharing the ball. And, and Reggie stepped up. Vlad stepped up. No, Amir, it's been unbelievable the last couple of games. You know, Brandon did a good job, I think. Uh, Serge and I, in the second half, we tried to be more physical with Jokic, make him work, you know, get into him. Uh, Aaron Gordon, had a great game. You know, we, we lost him a couple of times. He had 30 points tonight, but uh, other than that, you know, we, that's a good win, huge win, huge win. So we didn't give up. We could give up 28 points in the first half, down 25 in the third. We could easily give up, like... No, we kept fighting, and we find a way. We cut it to ten, and we got a game. And then with the way we start the fourth, now we create to four points, and now it could go either way. The crowd get into it. Now the, I think the crowd have fun tonight, <laughs> especially in the second half. Not in the first half for sure, but I think they got some fun in the second half. So that's good for us. Oh man, did we have fun! And I was sitting in the third row of the tables of the media, and I literally had to back up and just go into the stands and be of screaming fanatic towards the end because I couldn't, I couldn't stop myself. Like I was trying to be all impartial (laughs) and do my tweets and try to be professional and, you know, obsess over the stats, which I did. And then literally at the end, I just couldn't help but pump my fist in the air. And then I literally just backed up two rows and started screaming my full head off. It was a great come from behind home W and I love the fact that the man of the hour, who sucked, he was horrible for three quarters. People were tweeting out such rude things to him. But I'll tell you something. Reggie Jackson talks about how you, the fans, kept him in that game, kept him in the moment. And you knew, I mean, you knew that Reggie Jackson was going to hit one of them. You knew he was going to rise to the occasion. And he did. He led the Clutch Clippers to another improbable W in the final minutes. Let's hear from Reggie right now. Like I, I went to a place where it was just tough. Like it was, the game was ugly for me early. Uh, most of the game, it was just ugly first three quarters. So they just told me, stay ready, stay in it. Um, that that I, I tend to play big and big moments. So that's all they're, honestly, like from Terrence. Xavier Moon, the new guys, Jay Scrub, Brandon Boston, the young guys, Marcus, Nikos, the whole team, they're hard for Continue staying, stay in the fight, um, stay confident. Uh, they've seen me had success before, so just just be ready. Uh, they knew, um, you know, the game's going to give me a chance to, to make some plays and just stay confident. So that was, like I said, that was my teammates, the coaching staff, and the entire building, really, because, yeah, it was hard. It was hard to have confidence in myself for a long time. Did you feel like, um, I mean, you started one for nine, you went four of six in the fourth. Did you feel like at any point, maybe after the first or second shot in the fourth, that like, all right, you have it? Uh, I'm not gonna lie, the first shot. First one went in, I was like, oh crap. All right, the lid might came off. 
second, <laughs> all these my things, one shot hot. So it went in, and the second pull up went in. I was like, okay, starting to feel good. And uh, I think the three went in. I was like, all right, we're rolling. Like, don't, don't look back. Just play and enjoy and have fun. But that was the biggest thing. Like I said, coach staff and players there, they could see what I was wearing. They were like, just go have fun. Just have fun, play hard, and everything else will take care of itself. So from there, and then it was like, we're confident. We believe in you. So just continue out there and play. And they're like, go play like it's practice. So. Yeah, no, uh, hats off to them for for instilling me with all the confidence. I'm just fortunate enough to get a win. Honestly, it's a testament to to my teammates, to the organization, to the entire fan base. Like, I went back out there, and I don't know how I was going to be received. Like, that, you don't know. You're not playing well. So, for the fan base to still be behind me, <laughs> just still be confident. I mean, people chirping in my ear as I'm walking up to the bench. I'm thinking, you know, I, I got to try to just play well. Like, just play well. Hopefully, that's all I was going to want. Play hard and hopefully play well. They're like, nah, you're good. We're, we were confident in you, trusting you. Next shot's going down. Like, when you don't have belief in yourself or you stop you stop having the confidence in yourself, when everybody's kind of feeding you with that energy, um, putting that battery back, it's hard not to go out there confident. So I think that's a big reason once the first shot went in, I was like, all right, I'm good. Like, I've seen this story a lot of times. I feel like there's everybody else basically telling me they've seen the story. Like, yeah, we've seen you have some bad games, we've seen you have some bad moments, but. Normally, you just stay confident and you find a way to push through. So, like I said, it, <laughs> this isn't me. Like, this was this entire building. This was an entire organization. Like, I was just the recipient of some shots going in. But this was everybody uh, putting that battery on my back and everybody giving me confidence to me. Oh, Clipper Nation, you did that. We did that. We gave him the confidence. We put the battery on his back. Is that what he said? I don't understand. Whatever. I just love the fact that his literal second made basket of the entire game after missing eight of nine shots, okay? He takes his 10th shot. You just assume it's not going to go in because nothing else has gone in. But you know it's Reggie. You know it's Mr. June. You know it's Batman. He puts it up and ties the game with his second made basket, and then he scores nine straight. He scores nine straight, friends, including a posterization of the MVP, the evil Joker, who's a big, fat baby, by the way. If you watched him, I don't know if you could see this in the television coverage, but the guy is a big, fat baby. I'm shocked he didn't get teed up. It's something with these guys from overseas, these white dudes. Don't you? Don't you just hate? Don't you? Don't you just think he's a big fat baby and joke itch? All the itches. When they don't get a call, they're such big fat babies. And Joker was a big fat baby. We know he's dirty. We know he tried to assault and kill Mook Morris's brother, Markeith. We know this. We, we, he, he, he dirty shot Markeith and knocked him out of the game for a month. A dirty shot. He's a dirty player. He's despicable. I hate Joker. He's a big, fat baby, plays underwater, and he gets posterized by our guy, Reggie Jackson. Batman thwarts the Joker. And we got to know right now, that dunk, is that the best Reggie Jackson career dunk ever, Reg? Is it? It definitely is. It's definitely up there. First thing I can say with the moment, like it, everything kind of came together at once. So when that happened, yeah, I could feel my teammates more confident in me, so. Yeah, it's up there. It, I look back at it, yeah, it's going to be up there. And I mean, I'm not going to lie, he's 
he was he is the former MVP right now. So the reigning MVP feels a lot better to to get a big play, a big dunk, and then find a way to get a win. But uh, I don't want to say it's number one, but when I look back on it, it might be. It might be. So I just don't want to put that out there yet. But yeah, I'm happy to get one. Like I said, uh, I dunk in game changing moments. Hopefully, I try to save my legs. Being at 31, going on 32 now. That dunk was so massive. Not only because he posterizes the MVP, not only because it's Batman over the Joker, but we're down one in that moment. And Reg dunks over the MVP and completely emasculates their leader. Just absolutely knocks him down all the pegs. And now the Clippers have the lead with that dunk. And Batum mentioned it earlier. Reggie was so feeling himself, he finally knocked the lid off the basket. Batum was actually shocked that Reggie passed it to him for that big Batum three. And I think I'm ready now to share the great Nicholas Batum story that happened to me at the farmer's market on 3rd and Fairfax. And I thought it was a great thing. I So I, I'm there with my niece and my parents, and she's in town from bitter cold New Jersey enjoying the Southern California sunshine. And I had some business to attend to in Hollywood. So I said, hey, why don't we all go to the farmer's market and the Grove and we'll have lunch there at the farmer's market. And it's always a great place to see celebrities. The last time I took my niece there, she saw Bill Nye, the science guy. Well, even bigger to me, the celebrity that I saw outside, of course, the crepe factory, Nico Batum was there surrounded by his French homies, le homies. They're all chirping in French, and I see him, and of course, I'm like, holy crap, yes, this is a massive moment for me. This is probably the greatest star I could see other than maybe Kawhi Leonard. I I literally would put Nico Batum over my man crush Paul George on a celebrity sighting because he's been so great. Because he had such a great year. We all know he's a silver medalist. We all know he's the French knight. But man, is this guy all class. So I didn't want to interrupt him. But I I, I just kind of happened to overhear a lull in the French conversation. I'm sure they were talking about Gerard Depardieu and cigarettes. And I literally said, hey, Nico, big fan, man. Uh, Good luck tomorrow night. I saw him two nights ago. I said, good luck tomorrow night versus the Nuggets. And he says, oh, oh uh, thank you very much. Um, uh, thank you. He goes, are you a Clipper fan? And I said, of course I'm a Clipper fan. Best team in Los Angeles. And then his friend, some random French dude, he goes, oh, you are a, you are a Clipper fan? Ha, 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 You are a Clipper fan? You like the Clippers? When was the last time they won a title? And I said, this season. This season. We're going to win the title. And Nico Batum lit up like a French Christmas tree, lit up like the Tour Eiffel, the Eiffel Tower, which, by the way, lights up very impressively. If you've never been to Paris, you should go. And when I was in Paris, I saw Tony Parker. That's another story for another day. But he lit up and he said, yeah, that's right. And we gave each other the peace sign, and I let him continue eating their crepes and having their French moment. But last night, Nico Batum was massive, massive winning that jump ball versus the MVP tapping it over to Reg, hit that big three massive to get us up two possessions. What a great Clipper W. Let's hear right now from, we haven't heard from him yet, Amir Coffey, who was massive for us last night. I know basketball is a game of runs, um, you know, especially in the NBA. 
uh, leaves, leaves go by so quick. So when you're up 20, when you're down 20, um, it's always time left. So uh, just keep chipping, keep chipping. That's what we kept telling ourselves at, uh, during the timeouts. Um, you know, our shots start falling for us. We start getting stops, rebounds. And, um, you know, you look up, 20-point lead could cut down to six in like a minute, 32 minutes. So, um, you know, it's just it's too much time left not to play hard and play finish out the game. 20-point lead can flip to six in a minute, a minute 30, two minutes in the NBA. It almost sounded like he said 32 minutes, but he said a minute. A minute 32 minutes. And it's streaky, streaky NBA basketball. If Burbank Hank was here, he'd back me up. It's something I've said for 20 years now. Streaky, streaky NBA basketball. It's a game of runs. Woo! Last night, we were running and gunning in that second half. We put it together. Thanks to the heroics of Terrence Mann, Amir Coffey, Nicholas Patum. Welcome to the Eric Bled Show. And, of course, Mr. Poster. Reggie Jackson. Oh, I'm so proud of Reg. All right, so let's hear from Tomer Azarli right now, talking to Amir Coffey. Take it away, Tomer. Amir, what's different about playing with a you know a non-traditional five out there, like whether it's Nico or whether it's you even? Yeah, uh, probably just. I mean, it's five guys that that can attack. Um, you know, it's less ball screens, more cutting. Um, it's kind of just more of a space floor, and then on the defensive side, it's switch five. Everybody buckle down. I was saying that uh, obviously you were you were good, but there were a couple of shots that you he wanted you to take that you mm-hmm. maybe passed up. Uh, are you are you kind of getting that feedback on like, hey, you got the green light, just fire away on these shots? Yeah, you 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 uh you know you don't take a shot you're supposed to take, you're gonna hear about it. So, um, you know I probably turned down a couple, and uh, you know as soon as running down the court, I heard from him. So probably won't be doing that again. You know this is my third year here. Um, you know, it feels like I've been here forever. Um, so just getting an opportunity to play with these guys that I've been around for so long, um, you know, it's a good feeling. Um, you know, coming on and playing well, it feels good. The best part of waking up is a mere coffee to the cup. I'm not proud of what I just sang. Ten of our next 11 on the road. I think it's going to be great for these guys. These guys are gelling at the right time. They won two in a row. Longest active win streak in the Pacific Division. I will hang my hat on it. Memphis Grizzlies. Wow, what's happening? Don't look over there. No, 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 no. Keep your eyes on the Pacific Division. Nothing to see over there. Ten of our next 11 on the road. Up next at New Orleans. I think it's one of America's great cities. You should definitely go check it out. Live music on every corner. It's a great town. You're allowed to walk around the street with opens. Does that make sense? And I mean open drinks, open containers. I'm not talking about some sort of open carry law. Hey, man, my gun, my choice. What? Anyway, uh, so go check out New Orleans. If you get a chance, go see the Clippers play New Orleans at the... The Smoothie King Arena, I think. That's one of the worst ones. Anyway, Smoothie King Arena, tomorrow night, Thursday night. Clippers 10 of 11 on the road. I think the one after that is at Spurs. Then I think we're home maybe for the Pacers or something next week. But like I said, 10 of 11 on the road. We have got a real road warrior road trip coming up. And I think this is going to be a real test for the guys. I know Tomara Zarley is not an epidemiologist, but Burbank Hank blew my mind on the last clip cast. I think he's absolutely right. Never mind what's happening with Bradley Beal. These guys got it. They beat it. 
They're vaccinated, moving on. I don't think they get it again this season. So I think Zoo's here to stay. I think Mook is here to stay. Reggie, here to stay. Who else got it? We know Zoo, here to stay. I think I already said him. Luke, out with it. He's coming back any day now, here to stay. Hartenstein out with a sprained ankle or something, but he is back, I think, at New Orleans at the very latest, the very next game, and that's going to be massive. When I have Burbank Hank on the next episode, he and I definitely need to get into whether we see Serge Ibaka on this Clippers team post-trade deadline. I, I don't think we do. And, you know, I don't want to get too somber, and but he just kind of has been a whole bag of nothing, God bless him, Serge Ibaka, has not really done anything. He had some moments in losing efforts, and he just, uh, defensively, he's just not what he was. He's good for a couple of blocks, but he's just not boxing out guys like a zoo, and he doesn't have the handles that a Hartenstein has, so I, I personally think we see Serge gone, dealt. That's what I think. Read something crazy today. The Clippers might move Mook? No, 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 no. I think this guy was talking about Mook, who is not Marcus Morris, because Mook, we learned from the great reporting of Christina Pink, Marcus Morris Sr., who I called Junior on the last episode. How embarrassing for him. Marcus Morris Sr.'s nickname is Mook. Look at the shot he took. Oh, my God, he's cooking because he's Mooking. He's Mook, okay? So it's Mook, not Mook. But anybody who writes that the Clippers are going to trade Mook is absolutely crazy. He's our best Clipper right now by leaps and bounds. There is no way he's moved. You heard it here first. And last, I'll say it until the cows come home. Let's visit with Coach Ty Lue. He had COVID. He's not going anywhere. How much better is this team without Brian Pashaw at the wheel? Coach Ty Lue is maybe the best in-game coach in the game. Let's hear from him now. I think scoring what 28 points, you know, in the, in the uh, first half, only being down 13. Um, you know, our defense was pretty good. Um, took away what we wanted to take away early on. We played good defense, and then offensively, just we played too slow. Like we wasn't attacking, we wasn't aggressive, um, indecisive. So at halftime, I just, you know, like what, why are we being so indecisive? You know, um, so just attack, play your game. You know, and um, I think. You know, in the third quarter, we try to do that, and we missed some shots, and the game kind of got away from us, you know, being down 25. And then, you know, we went small. Um, I think Nico did a great job, you know, with Joker just trying to deny him. We switched it one through five, kind of hurt them a little bit. And then we decided we was going to make somebody beat us besides Joker. And, um, you know, we did that and made their outside – I mean, made their guys shoot outside shots, and they shot four for 33 tonight. So, um, Gordon's cuts hurt us. You know, you saw that. But – Outside of that, I thought we did a great job of just, you know, taking away Joker, switching one through five, letting our smalls play him, get up under him, and then fire at the right time. And um, the team did a good job of adjusting. Yeah, I mean, I was just trying to find combinations. You know, at that point, when you when you score, you know, 16 points and 12 points, I mean, it wasn't Eric's fault. I mean, it was just trying to find a combination that worked. And, um, you know, we've been good about, you know, the coaching staff just being good about, you know, finding combinations that work and kind of play together and play the right way. And, um, some some nice stars are not going to have it, and we saw that tonight. You know, uh, I thought Zoo and uh, Marcus were a little slow. Looked, you know, Marcus could be a little tired, and then our bench guys came in and, and gave us a good lift. So, you know, that's that's winning basketball, and so we, that's what we need to do every night on a night-to-night basis. 
That's what I'm talking about. Best in-game coach in the game. Willing to make crazy shake ups I mean, we would sit there for years and watch Doc Rivers live or die by his vets and just have the rookies wasting away on the bench. And Ty Lu, I love him. I'm in love with him, and I like him. He's not afraid to do an entire hockey swap, five in, five out. He is not afraid to just bench his stars if they don't have that sweet home cooking on any given night. I love Ty Lu. And I hated when he was in health and safety protocols. And I hated Brian Peshaw. Yes, he got us that wonderful win at Brooklyn. But I think it was despite him. Coach Ty Lue is a special coach. He's been a head coach, I believe, for this is his fourth season. And literally, his first two seasons gets all the way to the finals, wins a championship in one of them. And maybe you, maybe it was three in Cleveland. Don't quote me. I don't know. This ain't Cavs cast. But I know that every year he coached Cleveland, he got him to the finals, and he won a championship, at least one of the years, down 3-1. What a delightful change of pace. And then he comes in in his first year ever as head coach for the Clippers, gets us to our first ever Final Four despite being down 0-2 in literally every round of the playoffs. Coach Ty Lue is a beast, and he's ours, and he got the COVID, and he beat the COVID, and he's not getting it again this season. You heard it here first and last and in the middle. Woo, didn't Joker have a chance to win the game? Joker gets the ball, seven seconds left. Nuggets down two, puts up a three. Tomer, talk to Coach about what, it. What, did you, what were you thinking when Jokic just three went up? <laughs> I don't know if I can say it on air. <laughs> but, you know, you've seen him make those shots all the time. And um, like I said, you know, our guys, you know, we really needed that, you know, and the way we played, the way we scrapped. And usually when you see a team come back in 25, it's always close and then you end up losing the game at the end. Um, so, see, so see, you know, us um, scrap the way we did and win this game. I thought we really needed it. I and mean, I thought our guys deserved it. You know, offensively the first half, you know, I just didn't think we attacked and played with that pace and speed we needed to. But in the second half, you know, we came out and did a better job. Clippers, Pelicans tomorrow. Clippers at Spurs Saturday. Two very winnable games. Can the Clippers take the momentum of that second half and turn it into more Ws? J.J. Reddick says it isn't a streak until you win five in a row. Our longest win streak of the season, I believe, was seven. Our second longest, I want to say, was four. And that wasn't that long ago. But I'd really like to see us win five in a row. And we've got two in our pocket. At Pelicans tomorrow night, so winnable. At Spurs Saturday, so winnable. Monday, Dr. King Day? President's Day? Dr. King Day. Dr. King Day, home, noon 30 games. So weird. So awkward. Monday day game? Really? Anyway, that's home versus Pacers. We we just won our last home game. So that is very, very doable to get a J.J. Redick-approved NBA win streak of five in a row. Can we do it? At New Orleans. New Orleans has been a bit of an Achilles heel for us. But my God, I think we can use this momentum. Roll in. That starting five that I love so much, Coffee, Reggie, Batum, Mook, and Zoo. I love that five because then 
You get Bledsoe and you get Terrence Mann off the bench. I am loving that. Any day now Hartenstein is back to add to that bench. Any day now Luke Kennard is back. And you know, Kennard and Mann are a one-two punch that I just – that's my favorite one-two punch of the season. So happy about those guys. And I think Coach sticks with this starting five until Paul George returns and Kawhi. I really do because it's working. And you want to keep Mann and Luke together, and you want to keep Reggie and Bledsoe separated because when Bled's on the floor, he's got to control the ball. So we are very, very close to an actual win streak And we have, like I said many times, the longest active win streak in the Pacific Division. So thrilled. But let's hear more from Reggie Jackson, who needed you, Clipper Nation, to get him out of his rut, to put the battery in his back and go four for six and get 11 big fourth quarter points for 13 and that amazing posterization of the Joker. God, I'm so proud of Reg. Let's hear from Reg. It's amazing. Like, it's honestly amazing, like I said. I like to think of myself as a very confident person, very confident guy. And really, I trust in my work. So I think that's where my confidence comes from. But when things aren't going your way, um, anybody's confidence sways. So like I said, to start feeling like everything's snowball effect, things aren't going your way, start feeling like you're in quicksand, you can't make a right play, whether defensively, offensively. Um, so you got that type of support, uh, not only just from your teammates, not only from coaches and um, the entire organization, but from your fan base, that's 20,000. Um, it makes it easy. Like I said, it just makes it easy to go out there and continue to, to understand, just live in the moment, play hard, and uh, <clears throat> just hope good things happen. So that, that like I said, them, the fans just not beating me up and just instilling confidence and allowing me to go play. It allowed me to get my own head. Like, I think a lot of the game, I was still – compounding uh, mistakes by not letting a moment go, staying back in the moment, previous moment. So like I said, when you got that type of support, it finally everything just let it go. And it was about this play and that's it. Like each play, just living the play. And whatever the result is, <clears throat> it is what it is. So no, I'm thankful for, like I said, everybody in the building. They, they made it easy just to be forgetful and remember that um, this game isn't mistake free. And, we're just going to have fun. Like that was, that's what it started to get hard for me. Is and something I love to do is just go out here and play hard and have fun. That became the hard thing um, tonight for the game. So like I said, it's it's everybody. Everybody reminded me why why I play. And, um, it allowed me to have that type of performance in the fourth quarter. Clipper Nation, man. I mean, that other team in LA would have booed Reg. You know they would have. But not us. We love Reggie. And isn't that the best? I think that's literally one of my favorite times in staples.omnicron-crypto.com arena. The crypt, a.k.a. Clipto Arena, is when we're all chanting, Reggie, Reggie, Reggie. I mean, that is just my favorite. I think that's my favorite. It's the best thing to chant in all of sports. Second best thing is Mookie, Mookie, which you can do as a Dodger fan. All right, gang. Burbank Hank will be back next time. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much to Tomer Azarli, my special guest. Thanks for coming on at Clipcast. Thank you, Coach. Uh, merci beaucoup, Nico Batum. Get some new French friends who are Clipper fans. Don't like the stupid L word. 
Le L word merde, blah. Come on, Nico. Get better French friends, bro. They're out there. You deserve it. Thank you so much, Amir Coffee. Thank you, Reggie Jackson. Oh, and thank you, Clipper Nation. Clipper Nation, you did it. You were the wind beneath Reggie's wing. Sound the horn, baby. To the crypt. It's gonna have some fun, it's okay. I'm loving LA. Hollywood tourists on the boulevard. We live in a town where everybody's a star. We all love a winner, and we love who they are. It's the Clippers. I say, hey, hey, it's a What a great theme song. Yacht Rock. Ow! The whole Clipper Nation rides a great blue sea. Not a place in the world that I'd rather be. It's alright. So out of sight. Here we go. We got Batuma Coffee. Reg and Zoo. Really not red anymore. <laughs> it's mostly blue and black. Hey! I mean, what other podcast are you singing along with a theme song like this, right? Right? Look at us. All down here. Streamlined on TV or streamed live on TV. No place better than I'd rather be. The late great Eddie Money, he's dead, but before he died, he sang the Clipcast theme song that we know and love. And we all get to yell, hey, and we enjoy the sound of the horn. Come on, it's fun, we're having fun. Hey! I'm gonna I'm gonna shut up. Bye, guys.